Hello, and welcome to the Colton and Joe Show. Back, back at it uh, after a while. Been about two weeks, and it's been a busy two weeks. It's been <laughs> quite the, the overwhelming, overwhelming two weeks, actually. And there's not been much time. You know, at the end of the day, we're tired. And what we were trying to get out of episodes, also a lack of ideas, has spurred this little kind of break. But we were, we, you know, we told you guys we were away for, we were away for a week. So that was already kind of locked in. Um, and you know that you know things happen, and that's we're showing though we're we're big chill. We're back at it. Colton and Joe show grind resumes as I've said three times now to Colton. Um, we're back. We're back at it. Episodes running up right now. We're going to start a new series. Actually, we'll see where it takes us. We're going to do all division teams. So of course we're starting with the AFC North as we commonly do. Um, just go through our our home division there. Give each. The best player for each position, you know, being quarterback, running back, so on and so forth. Um, all the way, we skip fullback and special teams, um, because yeah. obvious reasons. It's all like Ravens players, the Ravens kicker, Ravens punter, and uh, yeah, the Ravens fullback, <laughs> and the Ravens long snapper. Yeah, <laughs> so it's 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 fine. It's been an interesting time. Um, why don't you give a little bit of update? What's going? What's been going on? since uh, our last episode uh life is good life is good um obviously we went to that church camp um we told you guys before the last episode we told you guys you know that's why we're gonna be off uh we were at a camp together had some fun obviously it's always one of the highlights of the summer um but i mean that was a big thing just you know summer stuff right we're finally into like hot summer it's like they were like the cool summer and now it's like at least, at least where I we live a little bit apart, you guys know. But at least where I live, it's a little bit. It's like hot summer now. It's like high 80s now. It's like actually, it feels like summer to where like I could go like I go swim and do, do as I please now, and it's not like oh, it's raining all today or like oh, it's only 60 degrees today. But I get to do summer stuff now. Summer stuff. But um, yeah. I mean, it's just we're we're chilling. We're chilling. Life life is good right now. I'm feeling good. Uh. Everything, everything's everything's going good. Yeah, um, you you are right. It is heating up. Um, cross country started for me, and it's the the worst time, honestly. Yeah, My shirt sounds awful. It is horrible. But now, honestly, this this part of the cross country season sucks. It's horrible because we're running a lot, and it's three months before we have our first competition. I have no idea why we're doing this early. I feel like last year did not start this early, but I mean, I'm there. I'm I'm finishing as runner number three right now, um, so we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> uh, honestly, gotta keep the keep the the vibes good for that, but we'll we'll see where it goes. I'll I'll tell you guys if I you know do good, <laughs> which <laughs> you know I, you guys know I I am no star at sports, but um you know yeah as you said we were out of camp we were we were chilling in the dorm we were in the same dorm. With um the guys, it's a fun time. It's an interesting time to say the least. And um, you know, I can't save anything for myself. Colton pulling all the ladies out there though. Everyone's everyone wants the handsome man. And uh, you know, we don't we don't want to give away. Much, but hey, well she she might be listening. She listened to our last episode. She listened to our last. I noticed our last episode we had like. A little bit more than usual. I was, I just thought it was because it's been like two weeks for people to listen to some of our episodes. That is interesting. Um, she said she said it was good. She said uh, it was I'm good. Assuming, 
said it was good. She might have been lying, but she did say it was good. She, hey. Maybe she'll hear this one. That is a loyal listener right there. Um, yeah. It was a good time. I definitely, as you said, you know, I, it's, it's fun because I'm like one of the older kids out there now, but I still stink at like games and stuff, which is what I really started to realize. I am not like a very skilled athlete in any way. You know, I'm not like, <laughs> I am not good at games. I, I had fun, which is like, you know, everyone says that's the most important thing. I wish I could, I wish I won more stuff, but like, you know, second place for the team. And, um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just a week ago now. I, I'm over it all. Like, I was like, kind of sad. I was like, no, I did not do good in any of the games, but it was fun. Dude, my no, team was the first place, like the whole, my, my team was first place, like the whole week until like the last day. And then just, yeah. then, then everything went downhill. It was sad. Okay. So, so, but I hate to, I hate to bring it back to the, the woman. How, what was the, how was the reveal to the girl that you are the co-host of a sports podcast? I want to know. Oh boy! To be honest, let me. Th- I gotta think about this. I gotta think about. Okay, well, there's just there's like this this running joke that um all I do is watch basketball, and that's just like a run a kind of a running thing between us because I watch a lot of basketball. You know, what I mean, there's no football on right now, and um so basically she was like, "Is all you do watch basketball?" And then I was like, oh, what did I? I was like, "Well, you just wait till a football season starts." And she's like, "No way, you watch more football." And I said. I may, and Jewel, she knows who you are, so I was like, I may or may not be co-host with Joe of an NFL podcast. She's <laughs> like, oh, okay. and then she asked what it was, and then, now we got one more listening, at least for one episode. I hate to, I was, oh my goodness, it was so awkward, because I was like, I was zoning out, and I was like walking around, and I was staring out, and you know, I was staring out, and you guys were like chilling, and I was like, compl- I promise you, I was completely zoned out. And I was just like staring at you guys, like and I, I felt so bad because she looked over, and I was like, I did not mean to be staring at you guys. Like it was the weirdest thing. But, I mean, that's a while ago. It's a funny, it's funny stories. We have lots of funny stories we could tell, but no need to give them all away at once. Um, as it has been, many one, stories of, come from those. What? Many stories come from those camps. Yeah, yeah. More to well, come in a couple of weeks. At some point, we will. Yeah, we'll tell some funny stories. Um, yeah, that's. But as I as I said, as I said, it's been two weeks. There's lots of new. There's lots of news to talk about. Definitely a lot of news. Retirements. There was a retirement that just happened today. Um, and let's let's get into it. Let's get right up. Let's get back to this. Yeah. I missed it. Well, this is where we officially start the grind. Officially, that was just the intro to the grind. Now the grind starts. Um. So. This is an interesting piece. It's kind of two pieces lumped together uh, from, from our hometown, Pittsburgh Steelers. Things are getting wonky in Pittsburgh um, in terms of the offensive line. Basically, as we know, Pittsburgh off, Pittsburgh's offensive line has just been kind of deteriorating with time. Um, just pieces leaving, pieces retiring, you know, Villanueva's gone now. And they're like, okay, well, basically the joke was it's now DeCastro and a bunch of scrubs. Um, and then they just released David DeCastro. Um, it's a really interesting move. I I understand what the, what is like why. Now when you see that they released David DeCastro and immediately signed Trey Turner to a one-year deal. Um, basically all they're doing, they're getting rid of one Pro Bowl guard for another Pro Bowl guard and saving $12 million. Which, you know, theoretically is like, 
you know, theoretically, in a nutshell, you say, like, yeah, that's a good move. I'm still not a fan of the move. Um, obviously, it's like you get rid of one of the only, the only guy on this line that really has some sort of familiarity with the system. Um, you know, just a guy that has a strong bond with the quarterback, with a lot of players on that team. It's just like, you know, Trey Turner is a good player. You know what I mean? He's been a good – he's a five-time pro bowler. He's been a very good player for a long time. It's just like – I don't know. I, I feel like the – I don't know. Like, if they're not going to go out and use that $12 million on something important, then I'm not a fan of the move. Now, there's a possibility they use that $12 million to go make a push for, like, Richard Sherman or something. I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But if, if you're not using that $12 million actively to, like, go make a push for a, a bigger free agent, then I just feel like – this is just a useless move, but uh, I feel like the like how I feel about this move is dependent on what the moves that come after it. It's just it's sad to see David DeCastro go, a longtime Steeler of nine years. Um, he's that there are reports saying he's mulling retirement. Um, now I'm not sure if he's gonna play anymore. Um, if he goes to the Chiefs, I'm gonna be angry. Uh, I feel like everybody <laughs> wants to go there, all the linemen. But um, yeah, Pittsburgh releases DeCastro and signs Trey Turner. So so. Y- you mentioned I definitely don't think I don't like I'm not excited for this move obviously David DeCastro was an offensive off oh my goodness awesome offensive lineman for years he was a mauler guy you know he was out there he was like really smart he was always in like the NFL 100 list or whatever so it's sad to see him leave but um this is a lot of interesting stuff that came out like he had a tough and he's had some tough ankle injuries he has not played in minicamp yet and um either Either the, the reports are different. Either they were worried about that and they, they saw the opportunity to save money and sign someone that was already really good mm-hmm. and they just kind of seized the opportunity to to make that move. And that is supported because David Cashel came out and was like, hey, their they're owners are billionaires for a reason. You know, they made a business decision and they saved some money and they did anything and they kind of had to let go of the relationship, I guess, which is, which is like kind of the assumption you make from that. But then also it's interesting because Maybe um, David DeCastro gets released and they immediately sign Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. But the rumors are now is that Kevin Dotson is like showed up and he was just like, he's like a scrub now. Like he got super out of shape. And he oh, like really? was just said that like the guard spot was like locked up by him, that he like did not work out of the offseason. Now, I don't really believe that because Kevin Dotson, like, I don't really know him like as a personally at all, obviously. But he completely disregarded the statement and like a couple of the players were like, no way Kevin Dotson is like out of shape or something like that. It was weird. Um, which So I, I'm kind of just on the side, you know, I feel like they probably just released him. Nagging ankle injuries. He's an older guy who didn't play as good as he had in recent years, last years. And obviously it's sad to see a long time Steeler go, but it makes sense like to an extent either way. And if we get yeah. Richard Sherman out, that would be sweet because I want to see Richard Sherman on the Steelers. But I'm not sure how good it is. Like, football decision that is because i'm you know obviously he's not locked down richard sherman but the cornerback room is weak right now and uh that would make many kids Steeler fans uh childhood dreams come true (laughs) that is very very true it would make mine come true for sure (laughs) um i guess um one more signing that we have here uh the vikings are signing uh defensive tackle sheldon richardson um, he's obviously been with the Browns for the past couple of seasons, was released to, uh, to make room, money, contracts, line up with uh, for the Genevieve Clowney deal. Um, and yeah, he's going to go solidify that defensive line with Daniel Hunter, whose uh, contract has been 
uh, restructured this offseason. Michael Pierce, who opted out of last year, um, and that they they signed uh, Dalvin Tomlinson as well from from the Giants. So this this defensive line in Minnesota is just absolutely getting stacked currently. Um, just lots and lots of players fighting for time here. Um, it will be very interesting to see how this how this defensive line operates and just how the minutes are are distributed between those guys. Um, but yeah, Sheldon Sheldon Richardson in Minnesota. What are you thinking? You know, I I like the move. Um, he's okay. He's like, I think he's kind of regressed in Cleveland. He wasn't playing super good. They obviously released him. As you mentioned, absolutely stacking the defensive line. And um, I don't know. It's a good move. I don't. Was um, did you say the contract details? And did I miss um, that? No. Okay. I don't know. Obviously, then I don't know how much money it was worth. It couldn't have been that expensive. Um, but I mean, honestly, Vikings looking kind of scary next year. Uh, that's kind of a, a, uh, a just a luxury signing was what I was thinking. It's kind of a luxury signing. It's just like an extra guy on top that you're obviously going to solidify that roster with. So I like the move overall. Uh, there's obviously, I'm sure there's multiple teams that were interested in him, but you know he's put in a good situation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so we had some signings, and now we get to an extension. Um, the Miami Dolphins are extending uh, linebacker Jerome Baker for three years, $39 million. Um, and I'm a fan of this one, um, actually. just He had a very – he kind of had a breakout year this year, you know, under-the-radar type of guy. Um, they they got rid of kind of an annoyed traded for uh, former Pro Bowler Bernardrick McKinney from Houston. Um, and they get Jerome Baker locked down, a younger guy that just had a real – like he just produced extremely well last year, and he fit really well, one of the leaders of – of this Dolphins defense in the linebacking core. I, I thought he had a really nice season, and I'm, I'm happy to see him locked down for, for a solid-sized contract. So. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, obviously, the, the defense there was really good last year. I know um, I've heard some people saying they think that Miami Dolphins defense is going to regress, which is fair. Um, but obviously, he's a good player. Lock him down. They, we, uh, I'm always a fan of that, locking down players, and you don't have to – when the, when the contract years come around, cause, you know, the player's value always, like, increases more, especially when it's, like, a contract year. Everyone's going to shell out money, like, big money in free agency. So if you can lock down a player, like right now, then um, you kind of save money as an organization almost. I don't know if that's really, like, but that's what I always seem like in my head. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, like Nick so. Foles. Like, if they just, someone, like, would have just signed Nick Foles, or, like, the Eagles would have tried to resign Nick Foles earlier. There's no way, like, they would not have had to pay as much as, like, the Jaguars to get Nick Foles. Yeah, that's like fair. For- that's fair. I get what you mean. It's like, if you sign him before the breakout, then you save yourself some money. But then again, like, you have to have, you have to predict the breakout correctly, though. Yeah. Because if you guess wrong, then you're just going to overpay for somebody. So it's kind of a, it's a high-risk, high-reward game. For sure, for sure. Um, next, we get to two guys that um, got into some some trouble with the law, actually. One of them being Cardinals rookie linebacker Zaven Collins. Um, he was arrested for reckless driving. Police reports say he was speeding and driving dangerously. And uh, Chiefs Frank Clark was arrested for having an Uzi in his Lambo SUV. The, what a I feel I feel like a rapper just like saying that line. Um, so yeah, he was charged with illegal possession of a firearm, 
Um, obviously, Frank Clark's arrest seems to be um, a little bit more serious than Zayvon Collins. Not that, not that any arrest is not serious. Um, I feel like Zayvon Collins, you know, he's a rookie, and though you never want your rookie to get arrested, obviously, um, this one doesn't seem to uh, bring with it many character concerns. I mean, reckless driving is stupid, but I'm not someone that's like, he's a terrible person. He was driving too fast. Frank Clark, um, having an, an unlicensed gun, like a <laughs> lot of gun in his Lambo. That's an interesting case. Um, I don't know what to say about that one. I, don't, I can't really say anything about these ones. They're just interesting. Um, don't know exactly what these arrests are going to look like in terms of punishment, what this could look like in terms of punishment from the NFL. But this is just throwing those out there. I have, if I can get arrested with a, with a Uzi in my Lambo, I might have to take that bail money. <laughs> yeah, that, I, was, I, feel, I feel cool saying that. Uzi in the Lambo. That's interesting. But, um, I don't know. There isn't much to say about that, I would, I, I would say. Um, yeah. And now, there's a retirement that just happened today. You may or may not have heard. Um, former Super Bowl champion wide receiver Demarius Thomas is retiring officially uh, after 11 NFL seasons. He, he didn't play this year. You know, he only played a little bit, like a very little bit last year. Obviously not able to find himself a team. But at, 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 at his peak, Demarius Thomas was one of the best receivers in the game with Peyton Manning on, that, on those Denver teams. Um, obviously won the Super Bowl 50, like we said, um, with Emmanuel Sanders there in that wide receiving core. He was a very good receiver for, for a long time. Um, full respect to Demarius Thomas. He actually signed um, like a one-day contract with the Broncos so he could retire as a Bronco. Um, so he had a great career. All respect to uh, Demarius Thomas. Yeah, he um, he was the wide receiver that cut the pass from Tim Tebow and not the Steelers out of the playoffs. That uh, yeah. heartbreaking game, obviously. But it's true. Yeah, it's my respect for Demarius Thomas. Honestly, he had a good career, and he was always a player I kind of liked just a little bit randomly. I don't know. Very good player. He was. Yeah, was he was. It's pretty and, uh, To cap off the news. Um, the New York Giants came out with a statement earlier this week stating that they will be retiring uh, Eli Manning's number 10. Uh, Eli Manning will officially have his jersey retired with the Giants. And I love this move. Obviously, most players, like, I feel like I'm never going to be like, this player shouldn't have got his jersey retired. Uh, I'm never going to be that guy. Um, but, like, Eli Manning deserved it, in my opinion, with the Giants. You know, whether you think he's a Hall of Famer or not, I think we probably debated that on the Hall of Fame episode. Um, I'm assuming we probably did. But, you know, whether he did or not, he brought he brought the Giants two championships. And, you know, whether you think he's a Hall of Famer or not, the Giants do not get those two championships without Eli Manning playing the way that he did. Um, and, yeah, he, he's uh, his number 10 will forever be enshrined in, in New York. So That is... A good move, yeah, definitely. I like it whenever they do that. Like you said, you can retire my, uh, a player's number like that. Uh, obviously, uh, Eli Manning is a uh, a very legendary figure in New York Giants history, and they ended like notes. They ended uh, their time together like in a nice way. Sometimes I feel like what do I think? What was it? Some team in the NBA is like oh, it was like the Houston Rockets were retiring. James Harden's number, like, already, like, right yeah. after he left, in, like, dramatic yeah, like, fashion. Yeah, Why are you doing it just right now? It's like, you guys are not on, like, good, not, like, on good terms. It's so weird. But, like, 
obviously it's not the same situation with Eli Manning because they left. Uh, he left the organization and uh. Yeah, he left on good terms. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he took he was benched for Daniel Jones. He took it like a man. Helped Daniel Jones the best he could, and then uh, that when the when the end of the season came, he just he, he retired, said thank you, and, and everything was good. That's you know the purpose, what the probably one of the perfect ways to go out. If you're not yeah. going out on like a championship, you're not, you're not going to go out in a dramatic fashion that you know puts a sour taste in uh, your teammates and your fans' mouth. And Eli Manning is is a pro's pro, and he went out like like a man. I, I respect Eli Manning. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, so now we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um, the news is gone. We've talked our talk. Let me get into the thing. It's now the topic of today's episode is the all AFC North team, our home division. Like Joe said, we we tend to always start with the AFC North, and we're not uh, we're not changing that now. So <laughs> our all AFC North team, our offense is going to consist of a QB, running back, three wide receivers tight end, two tackles, two guards, and a center. Our defense is going to uh, contain two defensive linemen, two edge rushers, two linebackers, three corners, and two safeties. So we'd put the criteria out there now just in case, you know, you see maybe there's a third defensive lineman and you're like, why didn't he make the list? Well, because we've only got two. Just letting you know that now. Write it down. Do whatever you need to do. But I'm starting with the most important position in all of football the quarterback um and in the afc north the starting quarterbacks we had four guys to choose from that being ben roethlisberger lamar jackson baker mayfield and joe burrow a lot of arguments you know who's you know about the hierarchy in this division you know who's the worst quarterback in the division whatever um there's not much hierarchy however there's not much debate on who the best QB in the division is and it is undoubtedly in my opinion lamar jackson um Lamar Jackson is my quarterback for the All-AFC North team. He finished this season with 2,757 yards, 26 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. He also had over 1,000 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Um, say what you want about Lamar Jackson. So, you know, he's a, he's a running back. He doesn't throw the ball well. Um, he's, you know, possibly already the greatest mobile quarterback we've ever seen. Um, you know, he could already be that. He's he, He's an absolute monster. Say what you want. He consistently puts the Ravens in a position to win with his arm, with his legs. Um, you know, the, the NFL's first unanimous MVP. Um, dude is an absolute monster. Uh, nothing, that, you know, I, I obviously we don't like the Ravens around here, but uh, <laughs> full respect to Lamar. Full respect to Lamar Jackson. He's my, um, he's my AFC North division quarterback. Yeah, um... Yeah, this one's a, a fairly easy choice from an analytical perspective. I also want Lamar Jackson as much as I love to put, you know, Ben Roethlisberger or um, even Baker Mayfield to an extent. You got to you got to go with the the statistically dominant and on the field. The odd test is good for Lamar Jackson too. As you, yeah, as you said, there's always the jokes. He can't throw the ball. He's a little bit more of a running back, you know, which is has has its place in conversations that he's a very run dependent quarterback. But you cannot deny the fact that he's a very efficient passer he is um effective passer and with limited weapons he has done well um I, not to mention the fact that yeah, you mentioned he's a great runner obviously a thousand yard rusher he's the, the leader of the number one rushing attack and possibly nfl history last year with 
him and um the kind of uh, the duo there with uh, Gus Edwards and Mark not Mark I said Mark Andrews um but the other running back that's on the Houston's now Mark Ingram um yes yeah so obviously Lamar Jackson is kind of an easy choice um sadly enough as I said you know I'd love to put Ben there but you know and at this point in Ben's career he's not he's not that guy and um Baker Mayfield he's not that guy pal (laughs) um but you know yeah I definitely need pretty easy choice to to be honest yeah um running back is another one that was pretty easy for me not gonna lie there were some guys you know uh, Browns had two guys, Chubb and Hunt. They can, you could both put Bengals on Mixon. You, you could have thrown Najee Harris in there if you really felt like it. But in my opinion, the clear-cut best running back in the AFC North is Nick Chubb. Um, he had 190 attempts for over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns this season. Uh, 5.6 yards per carry and extremely good yards per carry. And he's, just, he's just a downhill runner, man. Like He is always going to get you a nice amount of yards. He's just a very solid running back in all aspects of the game. And he just he'll just run you over. Nick Chubb does not care. He will run a train. You know his his backfield partner Kareem Hunt is kind of more the finesse guy. Um, obviously he's a, he's a better receiving back. He's the guy that has the more arsenal of moves. But Nick Nick Chubb just run you over. You like you know Nick Chubb's coming at you. He's not playing any games. You know what Nick Chubb is gonna do to you, and he is not, and he's you're not gonna stop him either. He's an absolute beast. Nick Chubb is the man, best running back in the division, in my opinion, and Nick Chubb is my AFC North running back. Yeah, once again, um, this is a pretty clear-cut choice from an analytical standpoint. Um, Najee Harris is just being drafted. You don't know what you're getting there at this point. Got to go with Nick Chubb. Um, A lot of people say he's, like, the most pure uh, running back in the NFL, um, which, like, people that know a lot more about (laughs) being a Choosing he was the best pure running back in the NFL than me. So, I mean, it's fair. It's a fair point to make. I definitely think, um, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a downhill runner. He's a power back. He, you know, he has Arsenal move, too. He he's, certainly does not wow you with the jukes, but, like, it's not, like, not an option. Like, he's got speed. He's got some elusiveness. But as you mentioned, Kareem Hunt is more the elusive option whenever you go for that. But, like, the stats don't even tell at all for this guy. Like, as you mentioned, he's extremely efficient, but he still has a good – amount of yards and stuff, he does not get the volume that other top running backs do just because he does share the room with a guy like Kareem Hunt who, um, That's true. as I've said many times, could probably be starting running back on the other team in the NFL. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Nick Chubb of the Browns will be uh, also my AFC North all-team all running back. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, like... I'm I'm impressed. Nick Chubb had over a thousand yards and twelve touchdowns, and he even missed a couple of games. Like, dude is just mm-hmm. having an extremely efficient year. I'll respect to Nick Chubb. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna kind of spit out my three wide receivers here in order. Um, my wide receiver one is Odo Beckham Jr. My wide receiver two is Gigi Smith-Schuster, and my wide receiver three. I, I it was a really tough matchup for my wide receiver three, but I gave it to Jarvis Landry. Um. So, Odo Beckham Jr., wide receiver one, um, obviously, he did not play many games this season. He had 23 receptions, 319 yards, and three touchdowns. Obviously, he he missed a lot of time with the torn ACL this year. But we know what Odo Beckham is capable of. You know, with with the Giants, we, we, we've seen Odo Beckham Jr., and we know just how good a healthy Odo can be. But we haven't seen him healthy yet on Cleveland still. You know what I mean? There was 
his first year, he was playing through a, a groin sort of horn, hernia the entire year. Like, it, it was it was a really rough season for him. And then just this year, obviously, with the torn ACL, we haven't got to see the real Otto Beckham Jr. on Cleveland thus far, which is sad. You know, there's a lot of talk. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe they don't want it. Maybe they're going to try to trade Odell. And, you know, there's always talk about it. But for me, he's one healthy Odell is the best uh, wide receiver in the AFC North. Juju Smith-Schuster at number two. Finished this year with 97 receptions for 831 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, and I believe that he has the potential to be a top 10 wide receiver. It's just about utilization at this point. Um, because obviously we talk about all the time on here, being fans that watch every Steelers game, just knowing how he was used last year in the offensive coordinator, Randy Feekner's offense. He was just kind of a dink and dunk type of player, getting down, doing the dirty work and making, you know, big hits and blocking and doing this, that, whatever. They were kind of treating him like a tight end, you know what I mean? They weren't utilizing his his slot abilities, his abilities to play down the field. His, you know, they just, they weren't utilizing him the way he needed to be utilized. And hopefully with the new offensive coordinator, with everything that they've been talking about, it's looking like they're going to try to utilize him a little bit better next season. Um, but I truly believe that he's the second best wide receiver in this division. And, you know, next year, there's a chance he could be the first. Um, and the third wide receiver three was I had a really rough time uh, deciding my wide receiver three between um, for me. It was it was between Jarvis Landry and uh, Tyler Boyd. You all know that I'm a Tyler Boyd believer. Um, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I had him on my underrated players list. I think he's very good, you know, multiple thousand yard seasons in the past couple of years. I think he's an extremely good wide receiver, but just Jarvis Landry, he's another guy that it's like the numbers aren't there as much as some other guys. 72 receptions for 840 yards and three touchdowns. But, you know, he's got such sure hands. You know what he's capable of doing. You saw what he did in the playoffs versus Pittsburgh. You know what this dude is capable of doing. Any given game, you know, we saw him in Miami, you know, Juice Landry, and we've seen, you know, breakout games from him in Cleveland. It's just kind of, you know, we don't know when it's going to come. So for me, the third best wide receiver in the AFC North is Jarvis Landry. So, um, if you obviously guys don't see the video, and I'm not sure if Colton can because I know he's he's has the, the Skype call and pause, uh, so he can see his list, <laughs> but I was laughing my butt off because. So for one, I knew this was going to be pretty similar. This is the exact same three wide receivers that we both have. Once again, uh, Odell, Juju, and then Landry to round off the three wide receivers in the all NFC AFC North team. Um, and I was thinking, and I was like, I was thinking about changing it just for the sake of the episode and enjoyment to Tyler Boyd. And then I was like, you know, no what, no way, I'm going to do that because like that's not what my honest choice was. My honest choice was Jarvis Landry for the wide receiver three. And um, <laughs> and you mentioned that that it was also between Tyler Boyd and Jarvis Landry for you, and I just I, I just died. I thought that was I thought that was so funny for some reason. I don't know why, but um, yeah, it was the same thing. Otto Beckham is obviously is extremely talented still, um, even though he's gotten a little bit older. And I don't think the utilization I think the utilization for him is a little bit weird. He's they're playing him like a Megatron. It always seems like that. Like they just throw prayers up to him. And he's an extremely good, talented wide receiver, and he makes crazy catches from time to time. But so many of his balls, of his passes from Baker Mayfield, are uncatchable. It's like, it's, I think it might be the, the highest rate of uncatchable passes from any um, quarterback wide receiver combo in the NFL. And I don't, I don't know why they do that. Like, I get it why. It's because every time you throw a ball to Odell, like, there's a chance he's going to come down with it. He's just that kind of player. Um, but it's, it's just so weird. And it's, 
it always seems like this that the offense for the the Browns goes better without Odell. And we mentioned this a lot. It's weird, but obviously the talent's there. His stats are not great, but you, you have to admit that he's the best wide receiver in the AFC North. Especially especially from like talent standpoint and um like ability standpoint, you know, obviously some stats might be worse than others, but and then you know, the juju. I know I have the, the same points to make. His utilization was way off. I know um, when he played outside, um, he was one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL, like per, uh, per like marked. I don't know. Um, but I saw that on, tw- on Twitter. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't know um, from mini camp and training camp and whatever has been going on. He has been playing a little bit more outside and um, showing off some of, some of that speed with Matt Canada's offense. Hopefully we can see the Juju go off this year. But then he's gonna have a big payday. So uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, either way, he's he's definitely wide receiver too. He great year. Obviously, Juju's a very talented player. It's just uh, tough in the system he was in last year with the way Ben was limited in um his passing to like shorter passes and whatever. Watch out for big uh, Juju year next year, obviously. And then I yeah, I I Landry three. Um I've always been a pretty big Jarvis Landry guy. I remember I made a top ten wide receiver list on my old on my tsr account on instagram that i'm not posted on ages because i don't know i don't want to but um but he was my i was my number two wide receiver in like 2018 or 2019 and i got pretty pretty made fun of for which is fair because he's not that good but i've always been a pretty big fan of jarvis landry he was good in stats his stats are like as you mentioned they're not the best in the world but he's a he's a talented guy um who makes like pretty tough catches and yeah, he plays the the slot position well, um, so that's that. Yeah, I got that rounding up three there is Odell, Juju, and uh, Jarvis Landry. So that's interesting. So my tight end um, was kind of between two guys, Mark Andrews and Austin Hooper. Um, but I, you know, I kind of knew how it was going to happen. The star, it's Mark Andrews for me. Um, Fifty-eight receptions, seven hundred and one yards, seven touchdowns. Um, He's, you know, he's just been uh, Lamar's favorite target for, you know, the past couple of years. He's been the number one guy there in terms of receiving the ball for Lamar Jackson. Um, Austin Hooper, I believe, was a guy that is just as talented as Mark Andrews. But I think once he got to Cleveland, it was kind of a just too many mouths to feed scenario. Um, you know, he's one of the better tight ends in football in Atlanta last season. Um, and then obviously comes to Cleveland and with Odell for a portion of the season with Jarvis Landry with the two running backs. It's just kind of a scenario. It's like, okay, you're not getting the ball as much because he was kind of a, he relied on volume a lot in Atlanta, just getting the ball and making plays after he caught it. And, you know, obviously it's just, that's not a scenario. The volume players aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to get their stats necessarily in a, in a system with so many good players. So I believe Mark Andrews is the, is the best tight end in the FC North. So. Yeah, this is pretty clear cut. Even though his 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 uh, stats did take a step back technically um, a little bit, he was still a Pro Bowl level tight end that played very well. You know, obviously, um, yeah. And then, as you mentioned, um, it's not really it's not a pass first offense in, in Baltimore, so his, the tight end stats for him is never going to be crazy. But he is Lamar's favorite targets, um, which is pretty easy to be with how brutal their wide receiver core was but mark andrews yeah. is definitely a good tight end and as you said um he gets the edge over hooper because hooper's in a situation where he does not get much volume at all 
there's so many good wide receivers, not to mention two really good running backs. And, you know, there's just not enough, like, snaps to be devoted to all those guys. But in weeks, you know, we I think we, there was, like, one or two weeks where Austin Hooper did have, like, really good numbers where he was just, you know, the tight ends were being utilized in a very effective manner. And, um, you know, obviously, yeah, he's that level of player that can do good, but it's just a situation. Mark Andrews just gets so much more volume. Um, they have to give him the uh, the spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go through the kind of, whole kind of, lot of yeah, I'm just going to spit out my alignment now. Um, two offensive tackles for me, um, Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin. For me, Ronnie Stanley is um, probably the best offensive tackle in the league, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he didn't play this year because of injury. Um, Jack Conklin was an all-pro you know, an all first-team guy this year with Cleveland. I believe, personally, Cleveland has the best offensive line in the NFL. Um and I'm just going to say now my offensive line, my five guys are just four out of five Cleveland's offensive line plus Ronnie Stanley. Um, so my tackles are Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin. My guards, uh, Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, both from Cleveland. They are both all pro second teamers. And uh, my center is J.C. Treader. I'm just spinning that out. I think Cleveland is the best O-line in football. I think they have five guys that could all be pro bowlers. Um, so, yeah, my, my offensive line for the all-AFC North team. Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin, Wyatt Tyler, Joel Batonio, J.C. Trevor. Um, this is we finally have one difference on their whole entire list, and it's it's a small thing. Um, Styles had J.C. Trevor as the center, and had the same tackles as you with Jack Conklin and Ronnie Stanley. I do think Ronnie Stanley is an incredibly talented uh, offensive tackle. Who, yeah, he. I mean, it's not far off to say. I mean, I, I don't have a. <laughs> A specific person I choose for the best offensive tackle. Jack Conklin also, obviously, was really good with the Titans, and uh, that is not, he's not a, played any worse when Cleveland. He's still an incredibly good tackle. Um, this is where we had to change. I had Wyatt Teller as well, but I had Kevin Zeitler, which is a Ravens offensive lineman who used to play for the Browns, but um, was recently <clears throat> switched teams. You know, I him and Joel Batonio, honestly, I, I I don't know what's the <laughs> I don't really focus in enough I didn't really do look up the I could look up the PFF grades and whatever I just went with uh, 12 Kevin Zeitler because I know he's a good player you know he's bounced around teams a little bit more in recent weeks I mean recent years but um, you know I, I don't really have much to say that that was just kind of the choice that was on the top of my head that I was yeah. just thought it was a little bit better I'm not really sure how you could you could be hugely right and I would really not have much of an idea. <laughs> I, don't know. I just gave it to Batonio because he was a uh, he made an All Pro team this year. I really, you know, I don't look. <laughs> I work, when doing offensive lineman stuff, I don't look much into the like PFF grades or whatnot unless I'm like I mean, I, really I like I delving spend, in. I could spend an extra fifteen minutes and looked up the PFF grades to make sure they were all the highest ones or whatever, but it's not I, a huge yeah. difference. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do that either, so respect, respect. Um, so now we move on to defense as our offense only had one difference. I have a feeling the defense won't be too different, but uh, I think we'll probably have more than one difference, I would say. Um, so we're going to start off with the two defensive linemen here, and I'll kind of clump them together. And, you know, call me biased, call me whatever you want. It's it's two Steelers for me. It's Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt for me. Um, Cam Hayward finishes the year with 54 tackles, four sacks, and an interception. Um, I believe, though his stats aren't as good as Tuitt's, I believe he's um, a better player, and I believe that 
He's a top five interior defensive lineman in the NFL, most likely. Um, and Stephon Tuitt actually had himself a breakout season before going down for the earth injury. Uh, 45 tackles, 11 sacks, and two forced fumbles. People were sleeping on Stephon Tuitt. Like, a lot of people, I even forgot, really, since the season's been so long. He had 11 sacks this year. You know, that, that's crazy. Like, TJ Watt, 15 sacks. Tuitt, 11. Dupree, 11. Cam Hayward had the four. You know, Highsmith had him as all. There's just so many sacks to go around on that team. It's nuts. Um, but yeah, my two defensive linemen, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. Um, Tuitt more of an edge rushing lineman, or not, I won't say edge rushing, but more of more of a, a D lineman that likes to get after the QB. While Cam Hayward is just kind of plugging up holes, stopping the run, and getting to the QB when need be. He's always is going to have an amazing PFF grade. Um, has for the past couple of years. Um. Very two very great players, Cam Hayward. You know, one of the best in his position. And uh, yeah, call it bias. Uh, you, you could put Calais Campbell here. Um, if this was last year, I would have put Hayward and Calais Campbell most likely. But um, Calais Campbell just didn't have that good of a season in Baltimore. To be honest, it just it was it it was not that good. So yeah, um, I went with the same two there. Um, I wasn't really sure. Yeah, there's Calais Campbell. There's um James Pierce from the Ravens and there's uh there was Sheldon Richard Sheldon Richardson that I would have thought about putting in there too over to it maybe um but mm-hmm. obviously I do it the same huh. yeah okay. yeah um yeah but I w- I'm with you on that one I definitely think Hayward is a little bit better I I don't know someone always said that they thought like to it was like heads and shoulders like in better shape and like more athletic than Cam Hayward, which I can see because he Cam Hayward is like a little bit on the bigger side. I think he's a little bit, he probably weighs more and is probably a little bit slower. I always thought that was more because from, he's still, uh, he's still pretty quick. He can still get after the quarterbacks. Cam, I think Cam Hayward is better. Um, I think Cam Hayward is better. I, I think, would agree that to it is more athletic though. I think, um, I also think Cam Hayward keeps a little bigger because Cam Hayward's, I think a little, I don't know. This is always like, just like thought. I don't really have any real statistical and uh, stuff to keep back this up, but I always thought Hayward was a little bit better in run, um, like run coverage, mm-hmm. than to it. I always thought to it was always like seemed a little bit out of place almost. But that's probably just because he's so he's so ready to go after the quarterback, you know, watch him for the play action, whatever. So I mean, yeah. maybe that's just me. I think it doesn't really matter <laughs> to be honest. We both had the same player there. Carlos bias, but. Um, I would agree with you. It's too crazy. It's a crazy. It's the leader. The leaders of Blitzburg are right there. You can say T.J. Watt is the leader of the Blitzburg, but Cam Hayward's been doing it for so long. T.J. Watt's the best player currently, but Cam Hayward is the, is the leader. I would say undisputedly. So yeah, that's fair. Cam must be T.J. Watt is definitely the best player. He's yeah, he's the undisputedly best the best, but. Uh, Cam Hayward's definitely you. If you ask anyone yep. in the Steelers organization, they'll tell you Cam Hayward is the leader of that team, that defense. Yeah, he drops back in coverage, uh, you know, a lot more. Like he doesn't get the blitz a lot, but yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> so, um, and now I guess with that we get into the edge rushers. Obviously, going to involve T.J. Watt. Um, two edge rushers we've got. I'm sure we're gonna have the same two. Um, honestly. If I'm putting together a list today, they're probably my top two edge rushers in the NFL. Um, TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. TJ Watt this season uh, finishes with 53 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, 15 sacks, 
two forced fumbles, an interception, and seven passes defended, leading the league in sacks, leading the league in tackles for loss. Um, and Miles Garrett uh, finishes with 48 tackles, 12 sacks, and four forced fumbles. Um, he was, you know, before he went down with COVID for a couple of games, he was, you know, on pace to be defensive player of the year potentially. Um, two guys, TJ Watt. Yeah, we say it every time we mention the name of TJ Watt. He was snubbed for defensive player of the year. He 100% deserved it. Makes me so mad. But um, anyway, yeah, edge rusher TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. I mean, when you have, you know, who I believe to be the two best edge rushers in football on one division, they're obviously going to be the two guys for the for the division. So, yeah, um, you said it. Were you said it? Great. They're probably yeah. They're probably one and two, and the NFL. So obviously, they deserve the spot on the All AFC North team. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and Miles Garrett is my. Uh, my selections as well. I had to make sure to put TJ Watt there first because I'm petty. Yes. Um, <laughs> but obviously, they're two incredibly talented players. Um, we've got TJ Watt, the, the really nice guy, and then we've got uh, the helmets swinger. On the- <laughs> um, but yeah, they're obviously, stat monsters, the eye test is really good. I, I do not like the... I find it... I almost find it like TJ Watt slander when people say Miles Garrett is better. But we'll we'll get around to our discussions. Maybe at some point I we we'll see. Well obviously the the episodes are up in the air. We'll we'll get around to be able to talk about that at some point, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um linebackers is gonna is kind of a weird one. This is a division that is very kind of stacked in every defensive position apart from linebackers. They're not good at linebackers. So my first linebacker I have here is from the Steelers. Devin Bush is my my first linebacker I have here. Um, he uh, obviously was out the majority with injury this this season, but his last fully healthy season, his rookie year, um, he put up 109 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, and two interceptions. Obviously, in his only full season of his career, um, a young gun, one of the fastest linebackers in the league. I believe that you know, he has potential to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. And my other one is uh as was just a rookie this season, um, a rookie of the defensive rookie of the year candidate. Patrick Queen is my second linebacker we have here. 106 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. Um, I believe he also had a, just a very nice season for that Baltimore defense. I believe he's the second best linebacker in football. There were some, uh, there were some other people that I was like actually considering. I was legitimately considering rookie. Jeremiah Owusu Koromo, I tend to throw on here. Um, I was genuinely considering that. Um, you know, Vince Williams is another name you could say. Mac Wilson, you could put there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is not a very good uh, division in terms of linebackers, but Devin Bush and Patrick Queen are my two that I have here. And I have a feeling that this may be one that we have different. You had an incorrect feeling. We have the same two there again. Um, and it's yeah. funny because you said something was, earlier about like you thought yours were weird, so I was like, maybe you. Put, I didn't think you'd have. To I thought you. I thought you put Jeremiah Wusukormo. I thought you. Put I was. Him. I was this. I was this. I was this close to. He's uh, the second round pick. Um, this, arguably the steal of the draft. Um, is obviously an extremely talented uh, linebacker who's really good in coverage, as we all know. But it's it's hard to put a rookie there already. Um, but I was I was pretty close to. But I, I don't know. I didn't think you'd have Devin Bush coming off the injury. I didn't really think you were that big of a Devin Bush fan, to be honest. But I guess I'm not really <laughs> too sure. I do sure. think he's a very good player. 
Before, before the season, before the season, I was in the camp that said Bush Devin Bush was better than Devin White before the year. Um, I'm not in that camp any longer, as I believe Devin White's one of the best linebackers in football at this point. Definitely and as much as I love Devin Bush, I don't know if I could put him that high at this point. But yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, but he was he's playing so good before he got injured this year. I don't know. I was mm-hmm. he was playing really good. He's great, pretty good. He was great in coverage. He was all over the ball and tackles and whatever he's playing around. Obviously, injuries are tough, but we'll get to see him come back this year in uh, full force. Yeah, true, true. Um, three corners, I'll spit mine out here. Um, I'm sure at least we have two of the three the same. My three are Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Denzel Ward. Um, two Ravens and a Brown. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, I kind of like was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have them on here. Marlon Humphrey is a beast, 82 tackles, two and a half sacks, led the league in forced fumbles this season with eight, um, an interception, and 11 passes defended for him. I believe he's you know, probably, if not top five, close to it, uh, corners in football. Um, Marcus Peters, I think, had an amazing season last season, and I think followed up nicely this year. Uh, 52 tackles, a sack, four forced fumbles, four interceptions, and nine passes defended. Humphrey, obviously, has been on the Ravens for his entire uh, playing career. Peters has bounced around Kansas City, the Rams, um, and obviously now he's he's here in Baltimore, possibly part of the best corner duo in the NFL, possibly. Um, and, and Denzel Ward here for the Browns. I, I'm a big like Denzel Ward fan. I think he's a very good player. I think he's mad underrated. If I'm if I'm not gonna lie, I you know there were some other guys you could have put here. You were I was thinking potentially like maybe you throw Joe Hayden in there, maybe like one of the Bengals guys, whether that be Woozy, Trey Waynes, or Mike, Mike Hilton. Um, but yeah, I settled on Denzel Ward for my third guy in only 12 games, uh, 46 tackles, a forced fumble, two interceptions, and the thing that gets me in 12 games, he had 18 passes defended. Um, that's just that, that's kind of a crazy number considering the the small amount of games he played. Um, mad respect to Denzel Ward, man, man was a beast this year. Really, really had a nice season. Hopefully, with Greg Newsom coming in, they can finally get that uh, cornerback too they've been looking for. And they have Troy Hill now, so um, their their corner their their defense is just getting better and better. But um, yeah, my three corners: Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Denzel Ward. So we had one difference on offense, and here is our first difference on defense. Uh, as you suspect, as you uh, suspected, we had the same two: Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters, and then I had I threw in Joe Hayden, the Steeler veteran. Um, <clears throat> so obviously, Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters are kind of the obvious stories. Now, I looked up an all AFC North team because I was reading for reference, just because I, I this is, obviously I did not copy it because this was much different. It had. Marlon Humphrey, Joe Hayden, and Denzel Ward, and did not have Marcus Peters on it. I thought that was quite disrespectful. Now, hmm. Marcus Peters might not be the most technically sound guy, and I, I believe that like he's not. He'll give up some big plays now and again, but he brings so much to the table in terms of, you know, uh, big play potential, interceptions. He he's a playmaker. Even if he lets up a few plays, he is a he's a playmaker. Interceptions. Uh, he's all over the ball. Marcus Peters is. I was, I was not a Marcus believer. Uh, Marcus Marcus Peters believer uh, coming into the year, but I, my opinion changed. I've become quite the fan of uh, that pair in Baltimore, even though it's kind of sacrilege. But yeah, uh, they're two very good guys. And then Denzel Ward versus Joe Hayden was the tough one. 
for me at least. Um, and I would, I'd go with Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden is just, he's just such a lockdown guy. Now I, I kind of thought would have the same thing. So I did not write down any, I did not write down any uh, statistical stuff to go, to go here. Um, but Joe Hayden is just, he's such, he's a smart guy. And that's something that I feel like is, um, Denzel Ward is definitely not, does not have a low football IQ by any means, but, um, Joe Hayden is just, you know, he, he, you can see him make the adjustments on the field. You can see he's a vocal guy and, um, he, he really, I mean, Denzel Ward is locked down too, but Joe Hayden, I've seen Joe Hayden locked down like Julio Jones and he's older and, you know, he's got that experience. I don't know. I just, I really like Joe, I like, really like Joe Hayden. Ever since he signed with the Steelers, he's been one of my favorite Steelers. I, I watched him ball out for the Browns, and he was tough to play against for the Steelers for years mm-hmm. and years and years. And I don't know. I, Joe Hayden's just a guy I really like. Oh, he styled it. Maybe objectively, um, Denzel Ward is the better choice, but I had to go with Joe Hayden. I respect it. I like Joe Hayden, too. Um, as a Steelers fan, I've got one, he's the only like interesting player who's autographed I've ever gotten. Um, respect to you. Jumpman Joe. Um, and now our final position we have here, the safeties. And I have a feeling that's going to be the only thing we get, we get uh, the only difference we have on our list. Um, the two safeties here, I think were was kind of clockwork. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who if I had to pinpoint it right now, I would say Minka Fitzpatrick is probably the best safety in the NFL. Um, finished the season with 79 tackles, one forced fumble, four interceptions, and 11 passes defended. I mean, that was just early season. Like, they weren't throwing the ball his way. He was not getting any opportunity, and his stats were down, and people were like, oh, man, maybe Minka's not that good. And then all of a sudden, like, here it is again, interception after interception and just crazy passes defended, locking down the side of the field. There comes Minka again. I, I believe he's the best safety in the NFL if I had to pinpoint. And another guy that's – in real consideration for the best safety in the NFL and a top three type of guy, top three, top five safety in the NFL type of player at this point in his career, um, the Bengals, Jesse Bates. 109 tackles this year, a forced fumble, three interceptions, and 15 passes defended. Talk about that. 109 tackles to go to 15 passes defended. Talk about a guy that just does it all. Like, you cannot define Jesse Bates to a single role. Like, that dude... That dude can hit him with the hit with the best of them. That dude can cover. He can do anything you ask of him. He's an amazing player. Um, I believe he was PFF's number one ranked safety this year by like a mile. Um, crazy year for him. The only Bengal I have on the All AFC North team, actually. Um, and yeah, Minka and Joe and uh, Jesse Bates, I believe, is kind of clockwork for me. I didn't have to have to do much questioning with them. So. Wow, I can't believe you didn't have Andrew Sandejo on there mm. yeah this one is the one that i was the most certain of would have the same um as we i also had minka fitzpatrick and jesse bates yeah um minka fitzpatrick is cl- in clear consideration for number one safety in the nfl right now as that that's a very thrown up in the air <laughs> question no one knows who the best safety is in the nfl right now yeah. um the name you see the scuttlebutt in the nfl uh, discussion conversation is Jesse Bates. You hear that name quite a lot, and for good reason, as you mentioned, PFF number one graded safety. He's he's flying around. He's always involved in the play. Now I think that's something that's different. Mika Fitzpatrick sits back, analyzes the field. He's going for the, he's the ball hawk safety, but Jesse Bates is all around. He's he's just a playmaker kind of guy. You know, he's trying to 
get on the ball. He'll, he'll play the pass. He'll play the run. He'll do whatever. Um, Jesse Bates is certainly a, a very good safety, um, but it, it's uh, it's a clear choice for him and Minka as the AFC North uh, safeties. That's true. This was, That's true. This is extremely similar. Obviously, we had yeah. two differences on offense, one on defense, and they were both pretty minuscule, to be fair. Um, I knew this one would be similar. Just obviously, this is our home division, the division we know most about. We're like, we talk about it a lot. We talk about the AFC North a lot. So I felt like we were going to have similar ones. Potentially, there's going to be potential where we get to some other ones, and there's going to be a lot of differences, but we'll see. You know what? I think we got a lot of differences. The NFC North. I'm going to say now, I bet we're going to have a lot of differences. That's fair. I feel like that's, that's fair. Where we but we'll see. I'm a big, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big Packers fan. Like as far as the players, I never liked the, the Packers. I know. But oh I wow, I, I like did. the Vikings though. Oh yeah. I we'll see. Really like the Vikings. I, I like I like some players in the Vikings. I know you like you like Kirk Cousins. You like Kirk Cousins more than I do. Uh, well, Dalvin Cook's probably my favorite running back. Daniel Hunter's is. Uh, Apart from TJ Watt, probably my favorite defensive, you know, apart from the Steelers, my favorite defensive player, probably. I love Justin Jefferson. It's, uh, I'm a, uh, Vikings making a push to be my second favorite team. They're making a push. Yes, sir. This will be the Steelers and the Chargers for me, and then be the Steelers and the Vikings for you. Yeah, probably it's true. But there you have our, our all. AFC North teams. Let us know if you yeah. like the series. Let us know if you like the series. Yeah. For sure. Um, so my oh, my phone is currently on 5% um, as we're recording on there because the, the setup was a little bit scuffed today, which is, has been a running theme. But this is a question I have for you. So, um, so I saw this article. I mean, never mind. What am I thinking? No, this is what I, this is what I want to say. So okay. the Clippers forced game six. Paul George is going off. I don't know what's up with this because Paul George was not this animal. The former Pacers Paul George, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, he he was not putting up stats like this with Kawhi. And I don't understand what, what having Kawhi on the team is making Paul George play differently. And I don't know why. I, I'm so confused. He dropped oh. 41 points and rebounds tonight. I get that you get more volume. As like, because now he's the number one option on the Clippers, but it still seems so weird to me. I don't know. I think that's just what it is. I mean, I've always been a Paul George believer. Um, everyone loves to slander Paul George's name. You know, every anytime he doesn't, you know, put up twenty five plus points in a game, it's always oh, pandemic P. You know, PG thirteen percent. Like he's so bad. But I believe he's a great player, um, great two way player. And I think that's just kind of what, it, you know, it, it may not make sense sometimes, but I feel like that's just the volume is just kind of what it is. When you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard on the floor and the ball is just in his hands so much, you have to play off the ball a little bit. And, like, there's times where you just have to, you know, be a little bit more passive and let Kawhi do his thing. And there's also times Kawhi has to be a little bit more passive and let PG go to work. But when you're the number one guy, especially in an elimination game in the playoffs, um, that's kind of just everybody knows where it's like, PG is our guy is our guy. Like we're getting PG his looks, and if there's no look for Paul George, then we score the ball. Like if I'm a Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson balled out. He's been balling out all playoffs. But if I'm Reggie Jackson in an elimination game, you know, we get down the floor and I'm like, here, Paul George, have this ball. 
If you can't get an open shot, then I'll think about it. You know what I mean? It's just like Paul George comes in with the mentality that I've got to do my thing. I've got to score the ball here. You know, we're not going to win if I don't do this. And I feel like they all have the mentality that if Paul George isn't going, then they're not winning the game. So they're yeah. all kind of doing everything they can to to put Paul George in a position to 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 play well and allow them to win the game. And that's just my take on it. Pacers Paul George is a different animal than that kid. He was. I, I always mix up Chris Paul and Paul George uh, for obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that for the longest time that was Paul Chris Paul that was on the Pacers, um, but I was incorrect. It's PG. PG, uh, the NBA 2K cover athlete, PG. Um, so so we were we were chilling, we're chilling somewhere, and there's a yard sale, we passed by yard sale. My mom's a big yard sale person, she likes to go and look around and see the stuff, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's just a thing. I was there, some, some team, poor, poor guy, I was selling his NBA Live, like 19 or 17 or something, and it had Joel on beat on the cover. I thought that was so weird. Joel Embiid does not seem like the guy I'd want on my cover. I well, NBA Live doesn't have the coolest dudes. <laughs> yeah, Most of obviously. the cool players are like pledge their allegiance to 2K. Yeah. So Joel a lot Embiid, of like the random players are like, and like back at the time, like he was still good, but back at the time, it's like Embiid's on the cover. Like he was still like an All Star caliber player, but it was like you really couldn't get anyone better than Embiid. They yeah. had they had Harden at the, on the cover at one point, which was good, but like it just seems weird. NBA Live is kind of weird. Yeah, definitely. Everyone likes 2K. If you play, if you're playing NBA Live, you're just a weirdo. <laughs> I've, I don't um, know if I've ever met someone that plays NBA Live. I honestly don't know if I've ever met anyone that's that plays. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like. I really don't like Embiid off the court. <laughs> I don't know why. Really, I, I just, like Embiid off the court. I think he's funny. I don't know. I don't know something about him. Just. Makes me, I don't know, he kind of irks me. I think it's just the way he looks. Joel Embiid is not a good looking guy, to be honest. But maybe I, like, I think just... he's funny on Twitter. That is a real thing, though. Like, if there's a player that I'm like, he just like looks weird. And a lot of times, like, I don't have a good opinion on them. Yeah. I don't know. Joel Embiid is, I just thought that was really weird. I was like, how, why, why is Joel Embiid on the cover of NBA Live, like 19 or 17 or whatever? It was the weirdest yeah. thing. It was a little weird, but hey, do what you gotta do. You're you're EA and you're just trying to rack and yeah, just trying to rack in some bucks off of NBA fans. Yeah. There's this YouTuber, his name is Soft Drink TV. I've probably talked to him before. He's always slandering the sports games. And for like, this is kind of fair. Sports games kind of do stink these days. Um, He talks about how cool the old ones are. And he was talking about like an old NBA live game, and actually, like it has so many cool features. Like I wish they, I wish they had those cool features on on sports games these days, especially like old Madden games and so many cool things. What you could do with like paired graphics and like up to date rosters with like the features of the old games, it would be so much fun. But yeah, I miss back in Madden when you would like actually go through the combine and like actually do all the combine drills like legitimately, and it actually like affected your draft stock. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I do not. I like this. when you had real draft stock, and it wasn't <laughs> just like no matter what you do, you're gonna go in the first round, and it's gonna like do basically like a random number generator and figure out which team you were gonna go to. Like back in the day, it was like you would play your games based on how you well you performed in the games, and 
then how well you performed at the combine, plus like the choices you made of like what to say, like whether like you're good with the media or not, like that stuff would like affect your draft stock. And you could like fall, you could like, you could go anywhere. Like you could completely fall out of the draft sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was actually fun. Like I enjoyed that system more than how they do it now. Yeah. I hate to be the, uh, the ender of this, this such exciting conversation, but my phone is currently on 2% and I do not want to cut it out without doing the sacred intro by true, true. the co-host. So, so um, let us know what you want to see. Uh, have a good one. We're back on the grind, as you know, as we've said many times here on a Monday. You're listening on a Tuesday. And yeah, we'll be back with you soon. So uh, from us here at the Colin and Joe Show, we are peace.